Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Ontario, Canada. Fair warning, this is one of the worst cases I've ever covered. It is horrific and gruesome, and nothing will be held back when talking about how big of a piece of shit this perpetrator is. That being said, small talk sucks, so let's dive in. On the evening of December 29th, 2007, a plumber was doing a regular house call for clogged pipes in a home on McMillan Street. The house was split into two apartments, the basement apartment being rented out to a 45-year-old shitbag dungeon dweller named Adam Strong. We're going to refer to him as Adam because even calling him by his last name, Strong, would be giving him too much credit as a human being. According to DurhamRegion.com, when the plumber got to his basement apartment, it looked like Adam had already tried his own hand at unclogging the pipes. The toilet had literally been removed, which sounds like an awful lot of work for a guy who already knew a plumber was coming. The plumber smelled this awful smell that wasn't like a normal drain smell. The plumber got to work trying to clear whatever was causing the backup in the pipes, but it wasn't working. So he made his way to the kitchen to try and see if he could get to whatever was clogging them from there. All the while, this Adam guy, who should be elated that he'll soon be able to flush his own toilet, was instead pacing around the apartment like he was Chris Watts. So this plumber is doing what he can with these kitchen pipes, and this black stuff in a stringy-like substance starts coming up. He wasn't sure what it was, so he headed to the main floor apartment to see what he could get out of the pipes up there. Instead of Adam staying in his own dumpster dungeon downstairs, he decided to follow the plumber into the apartment of the people upstairs. No one other than a plumber has ever been more interested in clogged pipes than Adam was at this moment in his life. While the plumber was taking a shot at unclogging the upstairs pipes, large pieces of a flesh-like substance started to come up, at which point the outlet reports Adam started saying things like, that's disgusting, that's vile, what is it? I don't know, Adam, what the fuck is it? The plumber didn't know what in the shining sea dragons he was looking at, but he knew it wasn't good, so he got all that he could, 10 to 15 pounds of it, and went outside to call his boss. His boss told him to call 911, so he did. Police got there around a half hour later, and CP24 reports that the plumber showed the cop a shopping bag with a 13 to 14 inch piece of what's reported to be a fleshy-like substance. The cop had never seen anything like it. A few more cops showed up and headed downstairs to Adam's apartment to ask him what he'd been flushing down the toilet. Zero actual percent of them were prepared for what Adam said next. According to DurhamRegion.com, Adam hung his head and lowly said, You got me. The gig is up. It's a body. If you want to recover the rest of her, she's in my freezer. She's buried, defleshed. A freezer was located in his bedroom, a bedroom that when police walked in had blood on the walls and on the ceiling. When they opened the freezer, they found several black garbage bags. In the bags, they found a head, arms, hands, legs, feet, and a pelvis. The skin had been removed. 
This scene was overwhelmingly horrific and gruesome, and it was only going to get worse, because even though they'd found all of that, the victim's torso was missing. Adam was arrested on scene and charged with improper or indecent interference with a dead body. They might have wondered where this woman's torso was, but just three and a half months earlier, fishermen on a pier in the Oshawa Harbor had found the torso of a female floating in the water. The torso was sent out for autopsy, and though CTV News reports it showed signs of obvious trauma, they couldn't determine any cause of death, and they had no idea who it belonged to or how long it had been in the water, which made identifying whoever this woman was extremely difficult. This was Lake Ontario. The torso could have come from Canada, but it also could have come from the U.S., the police had to get DNA samples from the families of all the missing women in all of these areas and run them against the DNA of the torso found in the harbor. It took almost two months for them to go through that entire process, but on November 29th, they got a match. The torso found in the Oshawa Harbor belonged to missing 18-year-old Rory Hache, who had been last seen in Oshawa on August 30th. 12 days prior to the discovery in the harbor. None of Rory's internal organs were ever recovered. According to the Toronto Sun, Rory thrived in early childhood, joining the Army Cadets and being named Cadet of the Year when she was 13. But when she got into high school, her mother says that someone gave her crystal meth, which led to a struggle with addiction. I want to stop everyone here and encourage anyone and everyone from judging Rory for her addiction. We are not the culmination of our struggles or our darkest moments. Rory was more than her addiction. She was sweet. She was kind. She always took up for the underdog and at the time of her disappearance was starting to get her life back. The outlet reports that she'd gotten a job, got an apartment, and was going back to school. According to CTV News, it was so unlike Rory to miss school that her guidance counselor was the one that sounded the alarms that she might be missing. Knowing the torso in the harbor belonged to Rory and the body in Adam's freezer was missing a torso, everyone wondered if it was her. And on July 5th of 2018, they determined that it was. That means that for three and a half months, Adam had been sleeping in his bedroom with walls covered in Rory's blood and her body close by in the freezer. She had just found out she was pregnant before she went missing, though when Adam was presented with that fact, Global News reports he said, She was not pregnant. I don't want to go into how I know, but I know. The detective told him that Rory had just found out and wasn't very far along, not even three months. But Adam continued, saying, I could bet my life. There's no getting around that. I chopped her up. As the police were looking through Adam's apartment, he was back at the police station getting questioned when he casually remembered that he had a bomb in his bedroom. Everyone had to evacuate the house until a little Wally-looking robot could get it out and detonate it. Once they were able to get back into the house, they spent damn near 30 days executing a search warrant, 
There were forensic units, what looked like mobile crime labs, tents set up in the backyard, tents set up in the driveway. A full-on storage container was delivered. Officers were seen wearing hazmat suits, and canine units were brought in. DurhamRegion.com reports that during their search, they found a shopping bag with Rory's bloody shoes in it, and one of the cadaver dogs on scene found an autopsy table behind Adam's couch. This guy was a sick fuck, but a lot of people were genuinely surprised when they heard about his arrest. CTV News reports that his neighbor said he seemed nice. A friend of his, whom he'd met on the bus, said that she never caught on to anything that would indicate he was so twisted. The outlet also referenced a girl who posted on Facebook and said that when Adam worked at a donut shop, he would collect old coins for her to add to her collection. Not Everyone was surprised, though. According to the Toronto Sun, a woman who went to the same laundromat as him stopped hanging out with him because he was always saying demeaning things about women. He was crude and rude, and she said that he was creepy and crossed lines. The Toronto Sun was also able to get in touch with Adam's ex-girlfriend, who said that in the beginning of their relationship, Adam was kind and gentle but that things started getting twisted when he started watching BDSM videos and frequenting the website Best Gore. I went to the website and I wish I didn't. Thankfully, it's been taken down, kind of. It still exists, but the videos it once contained are no longer there. Instead, there are testimonials about people who used to love them. In these testimonials, it's clear that there were multiple videos of people committing suicide, along with executions, and according to the Toronto Sun, also included car crash victims and dismemberment. With Adam's interest turning more and more sadomasochistic, DurhamRegion.com wrote that he would choke his ex-girlfriend during sex until she would pass out. She told the Toronto Sun that as time went on, the word no didn't have any meaning to him. She was not surprised whatsoever when she heard the news and told the outlet what the rest of his life has in store for him is not enough for the pain he has caused. With the media exploding with the news of this heinous and gruesome crime that was beyond any rational comprehension, the world took to Facebook to see if this monster was on there and, if he was, what a person like him would post. And it's exactly what you think it would be. On his Facebook was a shitty photo of this little rat of a man with greasy black hair holding an absurdly large knife. He also had a photo of a pair of handcuffs hanging from the wall with a dog collar hanging below it. Under the photo, he wrote, Home is where my handcuffs hang. Oh, and a collar. DurhamRegion.com reports that a woman actually came forward to say that in the mid-2000s, Adam was a regular at a sex shop and would sometimes bring in a woman who was wearing a dog collar on a leash. But back to Facebook. Adam was super pissed about his ex-girlfriend and the fact that no woman seemed to want to touch him with a 10-foot pole. According to the Toronto Sun, he publicly bashed her with misogynistic comments about the size of her breasts and low blows about her appearance. 
In another post, the National Post reports he wrote, Why is it so hard to find a woman who's honest, loyal, trusting, and willing to accept the sexual freak that I am? And yes, we all just recoiled in disgust. Adam also wrote on his Facebook, I can never understand a man who hits a woman in anger. It's ridiculous, and women that take it. Adam was so committed to knowing the correct thing to say to come off whichever way he wanted that it seemed like he took mental notes of what he did and then used the exact opposite as the public script for his life. His creepiest and most fucked up post, though, well, comment, was made on November 9th of 2017, and it was only two words. It was on the day Rory's torso had been identified, a month and a half or so before the rest of her remains were found in his bedroom. A Facebook friend of his had posted about it, and Adam commented, Very sad. Adam Strong was as twisted as they come, a monster who wore a mask, only showing his true colors to those he felt he could dominate. And no one, I mean no one, thought that Rory was his first and only victim. According to DurhamRegion.com, when Adam was initially taken to jail, he was wearing three gold chains. One is plenty, but he was wearing three. That wasn't the only thing he had three of, though. On one of the chains was three women's engagement-style rings, which he seemed really upset about taking off. He told the jail to be careful with them because it took him a long time to procure it. What would a garbage human who didn't have shit to his name and rode a bike around town be doing with three engagement rings around his neck? He didn't so much as have a car to tow the boat he owned. Surely, if it was about the procurement in a financial sense, he would have procured a vehicle or a soul. But no, he wore them around his neck, which hinted at the rings holding some kind of sentimental value but a sentimental value that took him a long time to procure. During Adam's interrogation, the detective flat out told him that he thought there were more victims. And yet again, no one was prepared for his answer. According to Toronto.com, Adam simply said, have at her, find them. And they kind of did. In July of 2018, the police held a press conference. At this point, Adam had still only been charged with improper or indecent interference with a dead body. It was clear what had happened to Rory after she died, but they were still trying to figure out what had happened before. And they had time. Adam was in jail and the investigation was still very active. DurhamRegion.com reported that law enforcement had a team of 12 working on her case full time and that they'd never seen a homicide like this. But that's not exactly why this press conference was held. Yeah, they wanted people to know they were still working diligently to get justice for Rory, but they had found something. When the forensic tests started coming back, they obviously found Rory's DNA, but they also found the DNA of two other unknown females. The first unknown female was tracked down and she was still alive. But the other sample belonged to a 19-year-old girl named Candace Fitzpatrick. Candace was also missing and had been for 10 years. 10 years. According to the Toronto Sun, like Rory, Candace struggled as well. She was an on-again, off-again street kid, but would always check in with her family. 
When she went missing, her family posted flyers everywhere and started a missing Facebook page, which they kept up with for a decade. Her father told Catherine McDonald from Global News that every time the body of a female was found, he expected his phone to ring. But Candace's body wasn't found, just her blood. It was found on a knife in a drawer in Adam's kitchen and in the freezer in his bedroom. When Adam was asked why Candace's blood, the blood of another missing teen, was found on a knife in his kitchen, once again, no one was ready for his answer. According to Global News, Adam simply said, That's the procrastination factor that fucked me. All I had to do was boil it. Faced with the fact that he was now suspected of murdering two girls in the past decade, all he could muster up was that he was lazy, that he had clearly researched how to get rid of the evidence, but that he just hadn't gotten around to it. An entire family had been waiting by the phone for 10 years, dreading the call that someone had found their daughter. All the while, to Adam, she was just some sadistic checklist that he forgot to get around to. While they were interrogating Adam, they showed him photos of all the blood found in his apartment, and instead of sitting back and sulking in shame knowing that he'd been caught, he reveled in it and seemingly taunted the interrogator. According to a report by Global News, he told them that they'd miss blood that was in plain sight and that they should get a spanking. Even though Rory's remains and Candace's DNA had been found in this gremlin's apartment, Adam still hadn't been charged with murder for either girl. But both families knew it was coming, so every single time he had a court date, they showed up. And for 10 months, Adam refused to physically attend the hearings. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that Rory's uncle and grandfather had ties to the Hell's Angels. Adam felt all big and bad when he was taunting the police and taking advantage of young, at-risk teenage girls, but when faced with the fact that the granddaughter and niece of a former and current Hell's Angel had been found dismembered in his bedroom, it was at that moment Adam knew he had fucked up. Her uncle, Uncle Harley, posted, would have wished to have been able to get to him before the police, but clearly he's about to have a tough go the rest of his life, which is nearly as satisfying. For almost two months and eight different hearings just trying to set his bail, Adam made excuse after excuse not to hire an attorney. This might not sound like a big deal, but he has the right to counsel and the courts have to give, even monsters like him, the opportunity to defend themselves. If they rush him and he appeals because he wasn't given enough time to find representation, these families will have to go through more than one grueling trial. Adam had a lot of balls behind his little jailhouse computer monitor. He didn't seem to care about anything. At one point, DurhamRegion.com reported he had the audacity to complain about the food in the jail and that they weren't letting him exercise. Those attending the hearing in the actual courtroom legitimately laughed out loud. From hearing to hearing, he used finances as an excuse for why he hadn't hired an attorney yet, and when that was remedied, he said he'd spoken to attorneys but hadn't decided on which one he was going to choose yet. 
Another hearing was held, and of course there was no attorney present. He asked for another week, and when the judge asked him if he'd have an attorney by then, he said he wasn't ready to say that. Global News reports he was given another week, and even then, he hadn't hired an attorney, saying picking a lawyer is a big deal. Finally, at the next hearing, even though there was still no attorney present, Adams said that he had hired one and named him. According to Durham Region News, though, when the courts called this attorney, they said that they had spoken to Adam, but Adam hadn't retained them yet. Finally, the judge was done playing games and told Adam that by the following court date, he could either have an attorney or represent himself. The judge started discussing the dates of future hearings because this was moving forward one way or another, and in the middle of it all, Adam thought this was the appropriate time to crack jokes. According to Toronto.com, Adam chuckled and said, my schedule is open. The judge flat out told him that he wasn't funny, but even then, Adam just couldn't stop himself and said, everybody's laughing. To put things into perspective here, Rory's parents should have been planning a baby shower for their grandchild at this point in time. But instead, they were attending hearing after hearing, waiting for any kind of justice. But Adam was playing games with the system, and they hadn't even gotten past the bond hearing. Instead of planning a baby shower and celebrating the new chapter of theirs and Rory's lives, they were hoping to be able to plan a funeral in the next few months, because it had been more than five months since Rory had gone missing, and her remains had still not been released. Every single time they showed up to court, they had a little hope that they'd be taking a single step in the right direction. But instead, they had to hear the man who stole their daughter from them complain about food, exercise, and cracking jokes. suppose representing himself was a bigger deal than hiring an attorney because by the next hearing, Adam had retained that attorney he'd mentioned before. In October of 2018, Adam was supposed to have his preliminary exam, which is basically where the prosecution lays out the evidence and the judge decides whether or not there's enough probable cause for the charges to stick. Obviously, Adam didn't show. This preliminary exam was supposed to last for five days, which is pretty long for a preliminary exam. There had to be an astronomical amount of evidence, and Rory's family had prepared themselves as much as they could to hear it. But in the end, before a single piece of evidence presented, it was over. But this time, they finally said it. They weren't going through with a preliminary exam because the investigation was still ongoing and according to DurhamRegion.com, they finally talked about the possibility of additional charges. During this hearing, Global News reported that Adam yawned and was described as seeming laid back. Rory's mom told the outlet that it was like he was telling the families of his victims that they were boring him and wasting his time. According to the Toronto Sun, Candace's father had to make himself sit in the back of the courtroom, saying he could have choked him to death. 
It's as if Adam flipped the switch on his public personality as soon as he was arrested. He wasn't the guy who collected coins for a friend and offered to run errands for his neighbors. He was now just the monster he'd always been on the inside, and he didn't care who knew it. No one could understand how Adam hadn't been charged with murder yet, but they wouldn't have to wait much longer. Because on November 8, 2018, his indecency charges were dropped and replaced with two charges of first-degree murder, one for Rory and one for Candace. His bail hearing didn't take months this time. The following day, he was back in court, but he didn't even want to get out. And I wouldn't either if I was him, though I'm not sure that jail would be any safer. In true shitbag fashion, he told the court that he essentially wanted to speed up this hearing because he was tired. Catherine McDonald from Global News Toronto reported that Adam wanted to go to bed because he'd had a rough day. As if every single day of the past 10 years wasn't a rough day for Candace's family. As if Rory's mother had gotten even a wink of sleep after finding what he had done to her pregnant daughter. In March of 2019, when it was time for Adam's preliminary exam for Rory and Candace's murders, they didn't even have to bother. With a discovery, basically an evidence packet, of over 8,000 pages, DurhamRegion.com reports he got a direct indictment. Both sides knew there was going to be enough evidence for the charges to stick. I shit you not, though, Adam pled not guilty. He had callously described what he had done to Rory, but still chose to put her family through the emotional torture of a trial. There were several more hearings, and at hearing number 37, Candace's father got fed up with Adam's constant no-show to the actual courtroom. This was before COVID, so virtual hearings weren't the norm. They wanted Adam to have to look at their faces and see the pain they had caused, but he refused. Candace's dad was so fed up that at one point, DurhamRegion.com reports, he told the prosecutor to shut up and bring him in person, you fucking idiots. And he didn't get in trouble for it. This had been such an emotionally grueling process for both families that everyone just understood that this was bullshit and didn't fault him for feeling the way he did or for expressing it the way that he did. Everyone agreed that from here on out, video conferencing wasn't an option and Adam had to be in the courtroom and he had to feel the anguish he had caused. On March 5th of 2020, Adam, his whole body, was in the courtroom and in preparation for his trial, asked that he be tried for both murders at the same time and to forego a jury trial and leave his fate in the hands of the judge. This doesn't happen often, but when I have seen it, it's when a crime is so physically and emotionally mortifying that the perpetrator doesn't feel like they have a chance in hell of a jury coming to any kind of unanimous decision that would result in anything less than exactly what they've been charged with. And in September of 2020, his trial began. Throughout this trial, Rory's family had to learn all of the gruesome details that we heard about earlier in this episode. They had to hear about how the sweet little girl who'd made a lifetime of memories with them was dismembered at the joints by a man who, according to Global News, said it felt natural, the way I cut around the socket and everything released. CP24 reported on the medical examiner's testimony 
who said they couldn't even determine a cause of death for Rory due to the state of her remains. She had been dismembered, frozen and thawed, and defleshed with no remaining internal organs. They were, however, able to determine that she had two skull fractures and, according to DurhamRegion.com, had bruising around her right and left eyes as well as on her left cheek and chin, all of which were sustained before she was killed. Rory's blood was found on several items in Adam's apartment, including a hammer, an air mattress, and a sex device, which was a restraint made of handcuffs and straps. Global News reports that Adam freely admitted to dismembering Rory on Christmas. While Rory's family was forced to endure their first Christmas without her, Adam was using the fact that his upstairs neighbors were away visiting family to thaw her body and cut it into 11 pieces. The families had to hear an interrogation video of Adam, who CTV News reports openly admitted he was holding back information, hoping that in return for new details, he'd get an allowance in prison along with internet access and a comfortable life, because according to the Daily Mail, he didn't have anyone who would buy him a TV. One of the most emotionally powerful testimonies in this trial came from a police officer who Durham.com reports had gotten to know Rory over the years and tried to help her the day before she disappeared. He'd seen her on the street that day and was concerned. She didn't seem like herself, her hair had been cut, and she had a cut on her hand. The police officer offered to help get her into a program that would help her get out of the cycle she seemed trapped in, and Rory agreed. The following day, the officer got the news that Rory had been accepted into the program, so he went out looking for her, but he never found her. This officer was in tears as he told this story. Just before Christmas of last year, 2020, the prosecution rested and the defense called no one and presented nothing. The judge was left to review everything and render a verdict. This trial took three months and it took another three for the judge to write up his decision. In March of 2021, this year, Adam Strong was found guilty of first-degree murder for the murder and dismemberment of Rory Heche and manslaughter for the murder of Candace Fitzpatrick. CP24 reported on his sentencing hearing where Rory's father was able to address the court, saying, Because of this monster, we will never get to walk Rory or Candace down the aisle. We will never get to be grandparents. We will never get to spend the holidays or birthdays together. You, sir, have brought darkness to everyone. Toronto.com reported on several other impact statements. Rory's mother stated, This monster took my angel and mutilated her. He planned on her being a missing person forever. Her godmother talked about how her entire life has been impacted by Rory's death, including losing her business because she couldn't control her grief saying nothing mattered. Rory was dead. She was chopped up, filleted like a fish, and flushed down the toilet. Candace's father spoke and talked about how loved Candace was and the love she put out into the world and the anguish that her disappearance and murder had caused, saying nothing in this world can compare to losing your child. He took so much from us. I would drive around Oshawa every morning on my way to work and then on my way home, but I couldn't find her. Sorry. Nope, I gotta get it together. 
Candace's mother told Adam, you robbed the world of a beautiful soul, and I hope someday you grow a soul and tell us where Candace is so we can put her to rest. Adam had been convicted of Candace's murder, but had yet to tell anyone what happened to her or where she was. Rory and Candace were loved, undeniably loved, and their deaths, murders, broke the hearts of everyone who knew and loved them. Adam Strong received life in prison plus an additional 19 years, but in Canada, life in prison comes with the possibility of parole after 25 years, meaning Adam Strong will be up for parole in 44 years, making him over 90, so this will be a life sentence for him. He will spend the rest of his life looking over his shoulder and eating the shitty food he complained about in a cement box. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Rory and Candace's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley and join me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern where you go live with me and we discuss their case. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime or for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month, all your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch, and of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. Mm-hmm.